Thanks, Lee. It's great to be with you once again. I always look forward to my time with you and to share out of God's Word because main, mainly, I guess, because I know that you're people who, who love the Word, who love having the Word open to you and who love applying the Word to your life and uh, that's uh, extremely important. I like what you've done to the house. It's nice. Appreciate uh, uh, the, uh, the the vision behind that, and um, the vision, of course, to be uh, to be reaching out to more people in your community and to uh, be providing a home for them. And uh, so good on you. It's taking a lot of a uh, lot of effort to get to this point, and I um, I think God is pleased. I want to share with you out of Micah across the next uh, few weeks, next three weeks at least, and. Um, uh, today I want to give you an overview of the book of Micah. Now I think I've shared some of this material with you before but it was a while ago. But I want to set Micah in context, in the context of what's known as the Minor Prophets. Uh, the, um, the Old Testament has major, what's known as Major Prophets and Minor Prophets and the Major Prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel. But they're major prophets not because they're more important but because they're long. (laughs) The minor prophets, there's 12 of them, and they're minor not because they're less important but because they're short. Uh, They're certainly very significant and they deal with uh, uh, significant issues for us today. In fact, when you read the the prophets, major or minor, it's like you're you're opening the newspaper and reading things that are definitely for today. And somebody once said that he doesn't like calling them the minor prophets because it makes it sound like they're less important, so he would call them the shorter in length but no less significant prophets. But you can see why that never actually caught on. So we continue to call it the minor prophets. Now these prophets address subjects of great significance to God, uh, to Israel, uh, to Judah and certainly to us today. As you go across those 12 minor prophets you'll find things like this. The issues that are being addressed are sinfulness and its results. Now sinfulness is just all about the problem of choosing to live wrongly. Uh, the problem of choosing to live in a way that is perhaps self-centred and certainly not thinking of others, Uh, choosing to uh, live in ways that are not conducive to the well-being that God so desires, the shalom of the person, of the individual and of society. Uh, The minor prophets also deal very much with faithfulness and faithfulness is all about choosing to live rightly are choosing to live in such a way that is pleasing to God uh, for the well-being of the individual and of the society. And the prophets deal with faithfulness and its results. That's a dominant theme. They deal with social injustice, environmental abuses, leadership gone wrong, abuses of the media of the day, the public speaking out into, uh, of the issues of the day, uh, they look at affluenza, the, uh, uh, the, the being sold out to affluence and to, to getting more. Uh, they deal with urban issues, issues of the city. They deal with corruption. They deal with generational responsibilities, the importance of an older generation passing on to a younger generation, with problems of self-indulgence, problems of self-reliance, They deal with international conflict and the need for good international relations, 
for foreign policy that reflects a concern for civil rights and for human rights. They deal with problems of racism, of stereotyping, of monoculturalism, of ethnic cleansing, of the abuse of power. They deal with the problems of crimes against humanity, of soaring crime rates, of business ethics and business practices that have gone wrong. They deal with religion that has gone bad. And so we could go on. You get the idea, don't you? That in the prophets, we're dealing with issues uh, that really are appearing in our papers on a daily basis. Micah is an example of all of that. Micah is speaking to Samaria and to Jerusalem, to Israel and to Judah, to the people of God, to the capital cities of Israel and Judah, Samaria and Jerusalem, as representatives of these nations. And he is speaking during the 8th century. Uh, It's 8th century BC. He's a contemporary with Isaiah, with Amos, with Hosea and with Judah. He's speaking to God's people at a time where God is saying, you've sold your souls. You've sold out. Justice is for sale. Truth depends on what you can afford. You can buy justice if you've got enough money. Uh, Spirituality is determined by your ability to pay for it. Leaders were using their power, they were abusing their power and their privilege to take advantage of the poor and they were misleading the people. And so God sends Micah to speak into this situation. A prophet from a country town that is southwest of Jerusalem and he's told to go and to speak to the people of Samaria and to go and to speak to the people of Jerusalem and let them know what God is saying about these facts and how God thinks about it and what they can do about that for the future. And so what is the message of Micah to Israel and to Judah, to Samaria and to Jerusalem? Well, the first thing that pops out of the book of Micah is that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. God is angry. There's no two ways about that. Next week we're going to be looking at the character of God that lies behind the book of Micah and what sort of a character uh, of God do we have and it ties in well with Mother's Day uh, because of the character of, of, of God and, and his mercy and, and, uh, and, and his, his love and care and so forth but we've got to see that in the context of God hating wrongdoing God hating leadership abusing the poor and the marginalised God hating injustice And so we might get a a, a nice picture of the character of God through some of Micah, but as Lee has already said, there's another picture there as well. There's a picture of judgment, not just uh, care and compassion, but a picture of judgment. And that's the message that is is here. For instance, we're not going to read the verses, but in chapter 1, verses 1 through to 16, Micah speaks out, he announces God's accusations against them for their idolatry and for their terrible sins. Uh, He's announcing judgment. He's saying it's going to happen and it's not pretty. That's what he's basically saying in those verses. Judgment is coming, it's going to happen and it's not pretty. This is what's going to happen. The fact is you can't get away with sinning forever. And the sinning that he's talking about are social sins as well as personal sins. 
You're not caring for the people around you. You're not being compassionate and loving. You're not showing the character of God as God's people. And you can't get away with that forever. That's what he's saying to his people. What are their wrongdoings? Well, this comes out in chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Let me read just a couple of those verses. Micah 2, verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. See, this is what it had come to. They weren't just falling into wrongdoing. They were planning it. They were lying awake on their beds thinking about how they could do it. How can I rip people off? How can my business be used to make me money at the expense of other people? This is what they were lying awake at night (laughs) planning. And God says, this is bad news. This is bad news. Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light they carry it out. So they don't only plan it, but they carry it out. They do it because it's in their power to do it. That's a pretty heavy statement, isn't it? They do it because they can. They covet fields and they seize them. And houses and they take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. So I wonder God is not a very happy, I was going to say happy man, but you get the idea. He's not a very happy God. (laughs) Because people are acting wrongly and there are people in their society who are suffering because of this. Lee, I'm really talking about social justice already, aren't I? So <laughs> it was, it, we didn't have to wait till the third week at all. Verse 6, Do not prophesy, their prophets say, do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. You descendants of Jacob, should it be said, does the Lord become impatient? Does he do such things? Do not my words do good to the one who weighs her upright? Lately my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care, like men returning from battle. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. Get up, go away. This is not your resting place, because it's defiled. It is ruined, beyond all remedy. If a liar and deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the profit for this people. So God is saying your leadership is leading you astray. They're abusing you and they're telling you that everything's okay. I've got to tell you something, it's not. So you can see in these verses and uh, many other verses which we haven't taken the time to read, some of the things that God hates and has to judge amongst his people. The abuse of power, including improper acquisition of property, and abusing the most vulnerable people, the children and the women in their society. Leadership that's gone bad by knowing what is right but choosing to do what is wrong and who will put on a show for anyone who pays them. These leadership hate justice, they twist the truth and they accept bribes. Why is this happening? Well, that's the question that God is asking. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Let me read just verses 3 and 4 of that. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you. Also Aaron and Miriam and God goes on and reminds them of some of the history of their own nations. And he says, what have I done? Where did I go wrong? (laughs) 
What happened that my people should be like this? God wants to know where he went wrong and and in, in nurturing and protecting his people. He wants to talk it over with them. He calls creation as his witnesses in some of the verses that we haven't read. He calls creation as his witnesses and presents his, his case, a history lesson, asking them to remember, remember what I've done and, and how come this is happening amongst my people. God is so good toward his people and open to talking things through but he has some very good arguments and some very big guns as his witnesses. He calls out to the heavens. He calls out to the creation. Uh, to, to, to witness for him, to defend what he is saying in asking the question, what happened? Why is this going on? So there is a message of judgment. There is a message of bewilderment in God saying, why? Where did we go wrong? But there's also a message of hope. Uh, the promise of restoration runs through the book of Micah as well. In chapter 2, for instance, 12 to 13, he, he promises a different future of togetherness and belonging. These are the things he longs for uh, in, in, in his nation, uh, that, uh, that there might be togetherness and, and belonging under loving authority, authority that, uh, that, that doesn't lead them astray. He is a God of hope and he is a God of restoration as well as a God of judgment. What will that restoration look like? Well... Just a couple of verses. Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. This is a continuing theme through the prophets. One of the reasons why God is so upset that his people are not living rightly is that they're no longer a beacon to the Gentiles a beacon to the other nations of how what a great God God is. God is a very inclusive God and he wants people to stream in from all over, from all the nations. And he's saying here uh, that once again my city will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. The idea of finding out who is your God, what is he like. Many nations will come and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths. The Lord will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. You see God is seen in the future in this restoration to be the God of other nations, to be, be the God who is settling disputes in other nations, a God of justice a God who is involved with the peoples of the world. And so it goes on. This is the type of uh, restoration uh, that God is talking about. It's about a spirituality that is visible and attractive and it's about God's teaching that is given and heard and obeyed. Uh, international conflict and tension, well there's resolution and there's peace because of God's involvement. People are content with what they have because God is involved in their lives. This is what restoration will look like question is well how will that come about uh, God's describing a problem that we got here it's almost like strategic planning isn't it God's saying there's a problem that we got here and this is where it's going to be but how, how are we going to get there how are we going to get from, from, the, uh, from the injustices that are being carried on now to a time of restoration well throughout the book of Micah uh, Micah talks about commitment to always follow God my people have to restore their commitment to always follow God no matter what uh, this is the call 
Uh, this, this is the commitment that God's people, whether it be uh, Judah or Israel or the church today uh, in the city, this is the commitment that we need to make to get things going. If we're going to have national change, if we're going to have change in our world around us, we have to be the people of God who are committed no matter what to doing what is right, to justice, uh, to living for the well-being, for the shalom of the city. I've shared that with you many times over the years and this is, this is the calling uh, that we have. Good leadership is one of the keys to this. Uh, throughout Micah we see the importance of the, 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 the rising up, the, the raising up of, of, of good leadership. Uh, Jesus, the coming of Jesus is, uh, is predicted in chapter 5 verse 2. And he's seen as the good leader, the perfect leader, the one who will take care of the people, the one who has a good reputation, not just here but uh, um, extended to other nations, the one who has a commitment to peace. That all comes up in chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. So how are we to live as God's people? with God's uh, knowledge of the injustice and, and, and the judgment that is necessary, uh, but with the, the longing for a better world. How do we live? Well, we've got to live to please God. And some ideas that we come up with for that are seen in chapter 6, uh, verses 6 to 7, because the people may respond to, to this and say, well, we, we've got some good ideas for how we can actually live. Uh, we've got some ideas because uh, maybe it's the, it's the perfect feast that would be okay. This comes up in chapter uh, 6, verse 6. Maybe it's the perfect sacrifice. Uh, may, maybe it's a huge sacrifice and incredibly costly. Uh, it would cost us everything. Maybe then God would be pleased and the judgment would be stopped. And it's in that context that God says, no, 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 you just don't understand. It's got nothing to do with sacrifice, whether it be huge and costly or whatever. It's got nothing to do with that. That's in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 6. But what it's got everything to do with comes up in what Lee referred to as the Micah challenge. Chapter 6, verse 8. You know what you've been called to. You've been called to justice and to mercy and to walking humbly with God. You know what is right. How will all this come about? It will come about through a commitment of my people to justice, doing what is right, to mercy, unconditional, undeserved kindness to one another and to walking humbly with God, which is all about faithfulness. Justice, mercy and faithfulness is the calling of God to the people of God to change the world. That's what he's saying through his prophet Micah to the people of Israel and to Judah and to the people of God in Montmorency today. You know what is right. You know what you've been called to, to change the world. The people of God to be called to justice and to mercy and to faithfulness. The so-called Micah challenge is to be lived out in the everyday life of the city. 
Uh, one of the problems is of, of a verse becoming very popular like this verse and having a movement like the Micah Challenge uh, named after it and I think that's absolutely wonderful but one of the problems that's connected with that is that it removes it from the everyday of our life when we wake up tomorrow morning and go about our business. The calling is not only to be concerned about uh, uh, issues of overseas injustice and, uh, and, and, and things that need to be changed but those things that are happening right around me in my world and how can I apply justice and mercy and faithfulness as God's people today where I'm at. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time we'll be looking further at that. So what's the message for today as I wrap this up? Well, number one thing is you can't get away with living wrongly forever. That's a clear message of Micah. You think you're getting away with it now, you've got prophets who are telling you everything is okay. I want to tell you that that's not true. You can't get away with living wrongly forever. Injustice, unmercy and unfaithfulness will bear consequences eventually. That's the first thing. The second thing is that God is a loving parent and he wants to talk things through with us when we're not on the right track. Come on, let's sit down and talk. We see this in other prophets, Isaiah in particular. Come, let us reason together. Let's talk about it. And this is what he is saying as a loving parent. His character is very well described in chapter 7 and uh, I want to come back to that passage next week as I said. But he's seen there as forgiving and not angry forever and glad to have pity and pleased to be merciful and faithful to his promises. He is a great God and he wants to talk this through with his people. He is, as Bill Hybels has written a book by the name of this, he, he is just the God we need. He's just the God we need. The third thing is that there's always the hope of restoration. So the first thing, you can't get away with living wrongly forever. The second thing, God's a loving parent and based on that there is always the hope of restoration. God doesn't leave us without hope. There's always his message of grace and his promise of restoration of relationship and purpose. There's always the hope of restoration. We don't really have a message of judgment for the world. We have a message of hope. (laughs) It's got to be seen in the context of you can't get away with living wrongly forever, which is what judgment's all about. But our message really is a message of hope. We need to make that very clear. The fourth thing and the last thing coming out of this, the challenge coming through Micah, as all of the prophets, is to live a life that pleases God. To live a life in everyday life of justice and mercy and faithfulness. Being thankful for the fulfilled prophecy of one who has come and lived it perfectly for us, Jesus himself. I look forward to unwrapping this further next week as we look at the character of God that lies behind the prophecy and then at the character that God's people, us, are called to as we think more about that Micah challenge. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we we thank you for uh, the message of Micah. We thank you for the the fact that it's, uh, it's pretty clear, really, that you're a God who hates injustice and who loves justice. 
and who loves mercy and faithfulness. When we sit down and we think about that, we realise that that's exactly what we love too, but we also find it hard at times to live it. And so I pray for all of us gathered here today that uh, this might be a week where we're at least mindful of the need to live that way. And then um, please help us to do it. Instead of being like those people who lie awake on their beds at night time thinking about how they can benefit themselves and then they, then they act on it, may we be the people uh, who live quite contrary lives to that, who live this week uh, thinking about how we can be, um, be good expressions of your character in the world and then to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.